Hi, my name is Wendy Weber. And my name is BJ Neal. Welcome to Nobody Chooses Homelessness. A podcast dedicated to changing the cultural narratives about homelessness and shedding light on how we can mobilize to be a part of the solution. In this podcast, we'll talk to everyday people, experts, entrepreneurs, and activists who are helping their unhoused neighbors find their way home again. We work for City Relief, a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving people facing extreme poverty and homelessness. City Relief shows up weekly as a mobile outreach offering people free meals, supplies, and connection to resources for housing, employment, and health care. More importantly, we offer people friendship, community, and belonging. We both have years of experience working systematically and on the ground to end homelessness. We believe that in order to end homelessness, it's going to take a holistic approach with people from all walks of life helping their neighbors in need. Trisha Fildred has been the Director of Follow-Up Care at City Relief for the last three years. She is motivated by the organization's mission to serve those struggling with poverty and homelessness by supporting and connecting them to the resources they need. Trisha is a licensed social worker and adjunct professor at Nye College and enjoys teaching and training young leaders in the field of social work. Trisha is devoted to loving others and living in a way in which others feel the love of Christ through every word and deed. Trisha, welcome. Thank you. We're so happy to have you today. So good to be here. Thank you guys for the invitation. Yes. It's going to be really fun learning about the work you're doing, City Relief, and the specific follow-up kinds of things you're doing in City Relief. But I would love to start with knowing more about you and how you and your life came to be in this place of working in this area. Sure. I'll give you the short of it. I've always had the passion to work with people, to serve people. It started off looking like more journalism, though, you know, where I could write about it and document and all that stuff and just moved into social work. I am a licensed social worker. And so I remember being an undergrad and um, doing a social work 101 class. I had already decided it's journalism. I'm going to go to Nye College and that's what it's going to be. And I get there and my professor, Dr. Carol Owasu, is amazing. And the first class I had, I remember sitting right at the corner by the door because I was like, this is a social work one-on-one class. I'm going to keep going to the bathroom so I don't have to be part of this class too much. So let me stay close to the door. She gave this brief just overall of what the class would look like. And in that, it resonated with me. She said something about how we serve people and how we journey with people, even when we're looking at social welfare, when we're looking at how we empathize, when we're looking at how we walk with people, because that's what social workers do, right? We walk with people on the journey. And there's some really tough places in the journey. But she gave this quick story that I want to share. She was on the train one day. And there was this homeless gentleman on the train, and it was the only seat left in the train, and she sat down. And when she sat down, the gentleman ended up, like, laying on her shoulder. And in her heart and in her mind in that moment, she didn't, she didn't think to move. Everyone was kind of just, like, staring at her, like, Here's this homeless man. He doesn't smell good. He doesn't look good. He has all this stuff next to him. And she's sitting there. And she said that her stop came. And something inside of her was thinking, 
I wonder when was the last time that this man experienced the warmth of someone's shoulder to sleep on. And so she rode the train way past her stop until he woke up. He looked at her like, why are you still here? And for me, that was like my aha moment. Outside of the fact that I, I grew up wanting to serve people, loving on people, having a passion for people that experience pain, that right there was, oh, this felt like it aligned with what God was calling me to do. It was to serve other people that didn't smell good, look good, whether that was on the outside or on the inside. And the last thing that she said in that class that hit me like, boom, was, you know, Jesus was the first social worker. And I was like, <laughs> yes. You know, she was like, think about it. Think about the social injustices that he had to walk into. Think about how he served the poor. And it wasn't, it wasn't them and 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 me. It was us for Jesus. It was us at the table, you know, and he hung out with the beggars and he hung out with everyone. And in that moment, I was like, Yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do social work. And so that was where my story around the work, like this work began. And so then I ended up working in organizations where I was always just like working with people to help them to get the services that they needed and to see those that were not seen very often. And so that's really where I would say how I, how I landed here. And everything else is, is probably, I would say it's a God story because then God opened up every opportunity for me to walk in that aligned with the calling that he had, he told me that I needed to walk in. And so that's really what my story in a nutshell, and there's so much more looks like. Mm, that's amazing. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about how you grew up yeah. and maybe what influenced your view of homelessness. So I was born in the Caribbean island of Grenada, and it's known as the Island of Spice. <laughs> and so I was there until I was about four years old. And then I came to the United States because I had asthma and uh, the treatment there um, was different. So I don't have much of a, too much of a lens of Grenada at that age and what homelessness or what it looked like, what even poverty looked like in Grenada. But coming here, and growing up here is where my eyes were more open to it. I grew up in Brownsville, Brooklyn, <laughs> and there was homelessness around me. There was poverty around me. There was lack around me. And so I saw that. I saw that around me, and that affected how I treated people it affected how I saw myself in the context of maybe having a little bit more, but not always having that much more than those that were around me, right? And so I think that really shaped like getting on the trains and seeing someone kind of just laying there with like a bunch of bags and nowhere to go. And the thing is, when I was growing up, I, I saw it, but I didn't see it. That makes sense. It was around me, but I didn't like dig into it. It was kind of like I would walk and pass pass people on the street and think to myself, oh, I wonder what happened to that person. But that would be so quick. And then I got older and then started undergrad or even before that, like started attending this church nearby. And that softened my heart 
Jesus softened my heart so much and understanding how he loved, how he loved people. And so again, when I was growing up in my teens and in my early adulthood, it was kind of like it was there, but if it didn't affect me. So I didn't, I did nothing with it, to be honest. That was kind of a baseline. That was a baseline. Yeah. So what brought you specifically to the organization that you're at today, to City Relief? God. That's the first, I'm going to say, because that's just how it happened. But my passion and love for helping people and seeing the unseen. I've worked in many other organizations in which I've worked with different populations varying from youth to adults to seniors. I supervise and manage buildings where um, formerly homeless guests would, would, would live there in studios and apartments. So I did more of the indirect work a lot, but because of my love for helping people and working with people, they couldn't keep me in the office. So I would literally be in the hallways, like we would do interviews for new new guests to come in, new clients, we call them, and, and those organizations to come in because they would have been on the street for many, many years. And they ended up getting a voucher so that they could now have an apartment. And those apartments were the buildings that I supervised. The solution to homelessness can seem overwhelming, but we are on the ground every day doing our part. You can do your part by leaving us a comment and review. Share this episode with a friend and you can start to shift the narrative around homelessness. And so they would be coming in and I would be at the door, not just greeting them, but seriously just wanting to know like about them. Like some of the best times that I've had working in organizations like that was the direct interaction with someone that has been homeless or in the shelter system for so many years and now they're moving into their own studio apartment and they're excited that they get to have their own shower that they can walk over to or, you know, they can make their own meals and they can do all that. Like they had a lot of other stuff that daily skills that they needed to work on. But that's we had the case managers and um, supervisors that were there, but they wanted me to stay in my office, but I didn't. <laughs> I was always kind of just out in the forefront getting to know them, hearing their story. And that inclined, that caused me to be more curious, to understand more. And so I did that for many, for many years. And, and then that shaped a lot of what I know brought me in. I want to say this thing because I think when the opportunity opened up, first of all, Jersey, I didn't even think I was going to live in Jersey, much less meet up with this organization, City Relief. And when I saw City Relief on paper, I was like, is that real or is this like what organization is this and when I saw that I was just like just before that I think God was dealing with me about like about what my next steps was and I didn't know what that was I had worked in so many different secular organizations I'd worked in faith-based organizations and still felt like there was more there was more to helping people there was more to being present with people there was more to journeying with people it was more than being in the office it was more and so ended up in Jersey simultaneously city relief happened because someone sent me a text message and says hey Trisha I really think that this would be something you would be good at doing and I was like yeah I don't know <laughs> so that's how I ended up at city release but I want to say this one thing because similar to the experience that my professor had many years ago 
just before I accepted the job at City Relief, I experienced something very similar with a homeless gentleman on the train. But this time, when I walked in, there was no seats. He came and he sat next to me because it was the only seat. But then shortly after that, every seat cleared open for some reason. And something inside of me was like, oh, I should move because the the different people that are sitting here are watching me like, are you still going to just sit there? But then something inside of me was like, sit there. And I sat there. And the whole time I sat there, I was like smelling this odor. And for some reason, it wasn't affecting me. I was just sitting there and I started in my mind in my heart, just praying for this gentleman next to me because I didn't know where he was going. I didn't know what he had, but I just knew that he was probably so unseen. You hear me saying that a lot because that's what our friends experienced. So I stayed there and then eventually he got up and he left and something inside of me said, oh, you're ready for city relief now. (laughs) And it's funny because this is what we do. Yeah. We sit with people, right, BJ? Like, we sit with people even if it's on the ground. We don't need to have a chair. We don't even need to have it. But wherever they are, we meet them there. We drive our bus into where they are. We're not, and that's the difference between so many organizations that I've seen. Like, people are coming to the organizations. We go to our friends. We go to where they are. And they welcome us into their community. And so, it's a pretty infectious organization when it comes to, like, that stuff. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So. Now, given this is actually a really good segue because they're talking about the work that we do at City Relief and specifically your work. You are the director of our follow-up department, correct? Yes. Okay, so... Boop, boop to the follow-up yep. team. <laughs> a little, little shout out there. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> so now with that in mind, I am aware that you guys have a program known as VIP. Can you talk a little about that program for a moment? Just like, what does VIP stand for? What is the program? What's the goal of the program? Like, you know, what is this? And just give us some more information. Well, BJ, very important people. That's what I think about it when I when I think about it from the top, right? That's that's what it's about. Yeah. Some very important people. Yeah. But I want to give a shout out to to our sponsors at Vitapod because it is a Vitapod internship program. And really what that is is we are giving our guests and inviting them to come out and to walk with us a little closer than the average guest. And so there's more tailored detail to walking and journeying with them. And part of that is inviting them to come out and volunteer with us over a period of time. It starts off in phase one where they're with us for about eight weeks and then it goes into phase two, depending on if it's a good fit for them to go into phase two or not. But it's an opportunity really initially for them to build community build connections that help them to build relationships and community. That's a huge part of it. The other piece is that we were noticing that a lot of our guests were wanting to know what they could do for us. I I think, BJ, you can attest to this. When the bus pulls up, you have people that are just standing there waiting. They're waiting to help. They're not always, they're not waiting just for soup or for hygiene kits or for socks. They're waiting like, can we take the table off? And they're just like standing there waiting to help set up. And so we noticed that and thought like, what if we invited them? to do this. Not just having them, you know, but inviting them to be a part of this initiative and city relief. And so 
We invited them because, one, we want them to build the connections. Two, we want them to, they want to give back. So that's what we've heard, that they want to give back. And then the other part of it is that we're helping them with some tangible things. Like they may have like goals for employment or to reunify with their family or for entitlements and benefits, or they may need training. They want to work and they want training from construction or whatever that might be. Whatever the goal is, we work with them to figure out what that is. And then the other thing is we have faith talks, kind of this faith journey. What is your faith journey? And it's not transactional. It doesn't have to be what our faith journey is. But what keeps you going when you haven't slept in days, you haven't eaten in days, when sweeps are happening and you're getting thrown in jail because you won't get up from where you where you were sleeping? And what keeps you? What is that source? And so there is that faith journey, which is more of a spiritual mentorship that this program offers to our guests as well. So those are really kind of like the areas, you know, building the connection, helping them to give back because they want to, giving them opportunity to explore what their goals are that they feel like they can never attain. Um, so that's some of it. To give an example, I have one of our current participants. We sat down with him for lunch one day and, you know, I would, the the liaison of the program, one of my team members, I was talking to him and I said, well, does he have any goals like wanting to work, wanting to do anything? He says, no, he just wants to come every week and, and do and help us. And I said, you sure? You know, you sure we can't like figure something out? I'm sure he must need something. He's like, no, he is currently in a shelter working through his transition to get housing. He has family support. He loves his grandchildren, like all this. So we took them out. We took him out to lunch one day. We get to lunch and we're sitting with him and we're having this conversation over lunch. And I start to like to to, to dive in and just to to ask his experience with over the last couple of weeks and oh, the brightest smile over his face came came and he said I said thank you thank you for for being a part of this like thank you and he says no thank you I've been experiencing substance use for years I'm in recovery now he said I get to come out of that community and come into community, come to you guys at City Relief. And it takes me away from the desire to even want to use anymore. Mm -hmm. Because when I come and I experience like what you guys are doing and I feel apart and I get to engage and I get to meet people from all over the world that come and volunteer. And he told us about some volunteer he has met. He said, thank you because you all have helped me. And a few weeks later, I was talking to him and he said to me, and this brought tears to my eyes, and it might bring it now. He said, um, you guys saved my life. He said, I don't think you understand that. I don't think you understand where I was coming from. And he said, you guys saved my life. And I thought to myself, wow, that's what the VIP program is. I guess we save lives, you know, um, and and." We save that by building connections and showing people that you are seen. You're not just walking over to our bus and just helping us and you're extra help. Like, we want you here. We want you involved in this. And so that, like, it broke my heart in a beautiful way. This podcast is sponsored by City Relief. We are a nonprofit dedicated to connecting people who are experiencing homelessness and poverty 
to food, clothing, and vital resources they need to survive. We show up week after week on New York City and New Jersey streets, regardless of the weather, providing meals and community to those who feel forgotten. We can only do this because of the generosity of everyday people like you who want to see a world where our homeless neighbors are cared for. To find out how you can give and make a real impact on homelessness, click the link in the description of this episode. And it sounds like there's not barriers to participation in terms of you have people who are living on the street currently, people in temporary housing and shelter, and none of that is a barrier in a way that those circumstances are a barrier to so many yeah. other things. Um, so that makes that that makes the VIP program stand out from other places. But in terms of the work that's actually happening with our guests and our friends, how is that different from how other organizations are? trying to help people get to the next step or trying to work with people following up with them? How, how does that differ? Our CEO, Josiah Haken, says this all the time. And he, he, he probably said it during his time with you guys. Low-hanging fruit, right? Like everything we do, we want it to be accessible. We don't want it to be such a stretch that people are like, that's too much. I don't think I can do it. We're working with a transient population. They don't stay one place at one time. You see them today, you might see them tomorrow. You know, you might see them six months from now. And so what we've created is this low-hanging fruit experience. We're, we're not trying to make it hard for you. Like, we're not trying to have you go through all of this stuff, this huge application process where you have to prove yourself that this is, you know. No, everything is really low barrier. It's a light application process where you're, we're just talking to you to see having you come out at first to experience this, even before you start do, even before our guests start doing, coming into the, to the program, we actually have them come out to test it. And what I usually say to them is not, I want to see if you like this. Right. Right. Like we want to see if you like yeah. us. Yeah. You might not like us. You might yeah. do this in the light. Oh no, I don't want to do this with that. Good fit for you. Yeah. Good for and then we see if it's a good fit. Right. But the most important thing is I want to see if you like us. And so I've worked in the industry and many other organizations where there are internship programs, where all this stuff. And what what I feel like industry does very well is there's a there's the technical piece to it. Right. Like there's and we do this stuff, too. There's the focus is on like the job readiness skills. It's on the maintenance. It's on the all this technical stuff that that is lovely. We get to do it. But I think what we do that is very different from that is we we offer this space where we're inviting them to be a part of something that's even bigger than them. Yeah. And in that it's like one of one of uh my fam famous authors and uh, Maya Angelou she says this one thing that just like I think this fits. People will forget what you've said to them. They will forget what you've done. Yeah. They will never forget how you made them feel. I think we offer that to our guests. They never forget how we make them feel. So that's why they keep coming and coming and coming. And even when they're finished with the VIP program, they still come and they want to be a part because the feeling, they get that. And so I think, and I'm not saying that, like, they're not great other programs out there that are doing this thing and getting people jobs and doing all this stuff. And yes, we are doing that too. And we are totally committed and interested in helping people to develop those practical skills that they need. But at the same time, when they walk away, what did they feel? Yeah. And I love it. There's, 
there's such a, as I'm listening to you and even as just our organization in general, it, it, we really do exist as a bridge, a bridge between city resources and our guests. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. A bridge between different organizations that are also non other nonprofits that are also trying to help the same, yeah. you know, group of people and our guests, like getting those resources, yeah. getting those organizations, bringing everybody together. Like, but we also exist as a bridge yeah. between us and, yeah. and the guests directly. And the, so someone who is experiencing homelessness or is experiencing a struggle in their life that either they've had for a long time and don't know what to do with, or maybe this, this is their first time. And I think it's really beautiful. I think it's really beautiful the way that you're describing that connection. Yeah. And the way that you're really emphasizing what we do and why we do it, that like really making the connection, whether it's with an organization or with the person directly, the connection really is like our main goal. And so from the sound of it, our VIP, uh, VIP really what it's meant to do is to really focus, really hone in on the fact that what we do as an organization is we make connections. And so now we're going to really focus yeah. on this connection right when now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just zoom in on that connection. And by doing so, I think it's, it's definitely something to be said the fact that we've got someone who is experiencing homelessness comes to our outreach, gets a cup of soup, right? Gets something to drink, gets some donations, maybe has a life care visit and ends up getting connected to you guys. And next thing you know is on the other end, yeah. right? Of the services that they received. I think that one of the biggest differences, um, and I would love for you to talk about this a little bit. I think that one of the, uh, another difference that I'm thinking of just from listening to you talk is that, it, is that right there? Like, I don't know of any, any service that is taking someone directly that is still currently experiencing homelessness, right? Still in process. They are still currently, even sometimes, like still trying to figure out where they're staying. And I don't know anybody, any organization that is taking someone in a situation like that and is saying, hey, I trust you. If you live in New York or New Jersey or technically anywhere and you'd like to volunteer with us, click on the link in the description of this episode. I trust you to serve alongside me. You know who else doesn't feel that doesn't feel that way? Our friends. They don't even believe it sometimes. Yeah. They're like, yes. but I, I don't have the right clothes or I don't look. That's okay. We got city relief. They're wearing our t-shirt. They're wearing badges, you know? So they don't believe it all the time either. Like, you're really gonna let me help out in in, in, in this area to give hygiene kits? Yeah. You're gonna help me, you're gonna let me be in the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. That's the dignity and worth that we give people back. Yeah. It's like they've lost it. Mm -hmm. They've lost it. And what we do is we, we give them, someone said it this way, we give them back this, they give us their one singular flowers or roses, like we get that from them. And what we do is we fix this beautiful bouquet and we hand it back to them. And that's their dignity. And that's their worth that we give back to them. That's what we do. That's what we do well. Hey, you. 
Yes, you, listener. Have you ever been walking down the street and someone who appeared unhoused approached you and asked for money? Or do you ever walk to the train in the morning and see someone holding a sign asking for help? What do you do? Well, don't worry. We are here to help. Click the link in the description of this episode for a quick, easy-to-use guide packed with helpful tips for how to engage with your neighbors experiencing homelessness.